Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today, Randy, we're going to conclude our series, God of the Second Chance. And I've been looking forward to this one because I I think we're going to talk about actually two characters in the Old Testament that uh, we don't often hear about. Well, we've been on a bit of a roll, Mark, with these uh, examples. And uh, last week with Samson, was that last week, Samson? Samson was last week, yeah. I've, you know... My life is a blur at the moment. I'm losing track of time. Uh, so here we are today, and uh, tell our listeners who we're going to talk about today. Well, there are two women in the Old Testament, both named Tamar, and we're going to talk about the two stories that they represent. And these last examples, I mean, I think we are looking to uh, indicate to our listeners that God is the God of the second chance. He's a forgiving God. He's a graceful God. And he oftentimes chooses to use uh, people who have done some form of sexual sin and uh, uses them as examples, uses them as leaders, uses them as places of wisdom. And uh, we'll see, I think, in the two different stories of these two different Tamars, that, that God is trying to teach us some principles that we believe in here at Faithful and True. Well, I've been looking forward to today's show simply from a point of ignorance, and that means <laughs> I, am, I am not all that familiar with uh, the Tamar women. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's part of a general principle that we often talk about, and that is that there's not enough teaching in uh, the average church about sexuality in general, about healthy sexuality in particular, And some of the stories that are rich in sexuality in the Old Testament are often overlooked, avoided, not talked about. And I think that's certainly true uh, with both of these Tamars. Let's just get into the first one here uh, in our first uh, segment of the show today. And uh, what, what I, you know, rather than reading this text, which is rather long, there are some unpronounceable names in there. Let me just refer the listeners, if they want to look at this in greater detail, uh, the story of the first Tamar appears in Genesis chapter 38, verses 6 through 30. All right? Are All you right. with me so far, Well, Randy? I'm excited because uh, in my book, you are one of the best biblical paraphrasers of all time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so give us the Cliff Notes version of, uh, of this first Tamar. Uh, let, let me take a little, uh, uh, not digression for a moment, but... I appreciate the thing about being, basically, you're saying I'm a kind of a storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would like paraphrasing things rather than just literally reading them. And and uh, given the fact that uh, as we're uh, recording the show, we just had Father's Day recently, and I think that was one of the great gifts that my father gave to me was the ability to tell stories. My, my dad was a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. He was uh, one of the best. And so he always told me Bible stories at night and throughout the day, and certainly on Sunday mornings. So uh, I think I inherited that, not by genetics, but by just you know living with it all the time. Well, I, I think that being a great storyteller and a great storyteller of Scripture, I think that really helps for your average individual out there. It really brings the Bible to life. 
Right. Let me just say that the story of this first Tamar is a is a very sad story, as is the second. But the first story is that uh, Tamar, being a uh, widow, had the right to be married to the brother of her husband, but that was denied to her. Uh, she was not allowed to do that, and that was somewhat against Jewish custom. It was a rather awful thing to have been done to her, but this is a resourceful woman, so she should have the right to, you know, be with this guy, Judah, and uh, but he refuses to allow it to happen. So what she does is she disguises herself as a prostitute, and she kind of hangs out on the corner. So you know, this is the way prostitutes plied their trade back in those days. They didn't have the internet. She went to a costume store. She did. And bought a prostitute. Outfit. Yeah, that's described <laughs> in, in the in the story. She she put on some kind of clothes, Fish, fishnet stockings, uh, and high heels. Th- thank you, Randy. <laughs> I was not going to get into any kind of. Well, more. I'm trying to I'm trying to you know create a vision for our listeners. Well, I don't think okay. some of our listeners you all need right. to create that vision. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. That's all right. But the Bible, in terms of those days, whatever she was wearing, it was something that clearly identified her as a prostitute. So this guy comes along. He's already denied being sexual with her, but now he sees her, doesn't recognize her for who she really is. He sees mm-hmm. her as a prostitute. He offers him or her some money. <laughs> what do you want? What's your price, basically, is what he's saying. And... uh she says, uh, the price is a young goat. So, uh, <laughs> isn't that... Apparently so, things have changed. <laughs> well, you know, there are times along the way in this series when we take a pause, you know. Okay. And we certainly have any number of our clientele who have engaged in prostitution and uh, paid various amounts of money, you know, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, and so forth. Uh, I just think prostitution is one of the oldest professions, if not the oldest profession there is, you know, and uh, it certainly existed in biblical times. And uh, Tamar, you know, knew how to uh, to at least play the part of the prostitute. Uh, she was obviously angry and felt denied, and so she she tricked this guy into having sex with her. Mm-hmm. And you know, they had uh, a son, and uh, this gets into those you know pronounceable names part. But the son then becomes uh, part of the lineage uh, that leads, in fact, to Jesus himself. So what, in fact, is an act of prostitution that is actually paid for with a goat, goat, an act of total deception, leads to an offspring who in uh, Matthew, uh, the first chapter, verse 3, that offspring of Tamar, the prostitute, is uh, listed as one of the ancestors of Jesus himself. Is that not, you know, the God of the second chance? Uh, uh, both of our Tamars are women that are, that are profoundly mistreated, uh, not given their true inheritance, not given their true uh, uh, justice. And uh, they, uh, in our first case here, uh, this Tamar figures out a way to uh, r- rectify it through deception, and through prostitution. Now, does she finally reveal herself to Judah? She does eventually, yes. So uh, it becomes clear to him. And 
you know, what the result of all of that is, I don't know. You know, what the rest of her life was like, I'm not sure. Sometimes the Bible doesn't always give us the postscript. So the uh, the pregnancy itself did not uh, automatically lead to the bond of marriage between the two? No, that's right. That, that was one of uh, the rights that she had to kind of live in his house. And those were the days when guys had multiple wives. So, you know, uh, it could have been true that he could have done that. Uh, there's, you know, other backstory to this, which again is part of what we'd have to kind of ramble through. And, you know, we'd probably, you know, hear the click of the, of the people turning off the show if we were to do that. But he did know the truth eventually. What we're saying here is that God seems to have an amazing ability to use deception, you know, on the part of other people to lead to things that through God's, uh, redemption, he's, he's able to work out in ways that, uh, you know, lead to great things. I mean, part of the lineage of Jesus is one of the guys that we talked about in an earlier show, David. I mean, he was an adulterer and a murderer, and he's also part of the lineage of Jesus. So, you know, I I think uh, one of the messages that I would like the listeners to hear is that uh, even though we've committed uh, egregious sexual sins in our life, does not mean that God cannot even use some of that for redemption, for uh, a better plan, for a a better future, uh, in this case, for a better offspring. And uh, the act of an illicit prostitution act uh, led to a person who was part of the part of the lineage of Jesus himself. While still, once again, uh, displaying God's ability to have unconditional forgiveness, unconditional love, uh, he truly knows how to make that point come across. Well, we're going to take our break here, and uh, when we come back, we will uh, have you tell us about the second Tamar. Uh, You're listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. We'll take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Surely 
Time now for the Trigger of the Week. All right, Trigger of the Week, Randy. Uh, we've already mentioned in the show that we just had Father's Week when we're recording this, or Father's Day when you know we're recording this. So the Tuesday night group, our focus group uh, that we assemble every Tuesday night just for the purposes of giving us feedback. I'm kidding, of course, but they did volunteer last night that one of their triggers of the week had been, in fact, Father's Day. That That requires a little bit of explanation, I think. I've already... Um, said some things about uh, the fact that my own relationship with my own father was, uh, there were other points that were on the difficult side. Uh, And I think that he was a good man and a good father in so many other ways. So I'm at a point in my recovery journey where I'm able to uh, recognize what was and recognize uh, that there were some good things that happened and celebrate that. Okay. Now, my father's dead, so, you know, I didn't have to have the experience that the guys last night in group were talking about. And the experience was that uh, they they had gone with their wives to Walmart or Kmart or Target or someplace to buy a Father's Day card. And they could not bring themselves to actually buy a card. They are in some point of their recovery where they are um, remembering, experiencing, understanding that their fathers were not the guides, the teachers, the the men of wisdom that even talked to them about sexuality. In the several cases that came up last night, they were fathers who were incredibly neglectful, uh, did not spend much time or pay any attention to these men. So not only did they you know, not get the instruction in sexuality that they could have benefited from, but they also just did not get the time and attention of their fathers. So when it came to uh, trying to buy even a card to celebrate something, uh, they just weren't able to do it. Now, I think that's a very sad thing, and I think one of the goals of our recovery journey is to get to a place of understanding and forgiveness and to know that our fathers have their own backstories too, like we all do, and that God is the God of the second chance, and they will at, at points get to a place where they're able to forgive their dads. But what they were saying is that it brought them to... Uh, some earlier places of loneliness in their life, of feeling neglected, abandoned, rejected. And, you know, those are feelings that they have historically medicated by getting involved in sexual activity. So uh, the the trigger was being in the card section of these stores. The trigger uh, sent them into their their memories of loneliness the memories of loneliness had been things that they had historically medicated with sexuality, and that's why Father's Day, even itself as an event, was their trigger of the week. An intention that Hallmark never had. Uh, that would probably be the case. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a that's an interesting uh, and, and kind of a thought-provoking trigger of the week, uh, because I think that there. Uh, I can see where that would affect many men who struggle with the memories of, of their childhood, with their with their dads being like that. That's right. One of the things, by the way, we teach is that part of recovery journey is finding other men in your life. Sometimes they're your own age. They might even be younger. A lot of them might be older. Because uh, if we didn't get certain things from our father, we're going to need other wise men in our life. Now, one of our clients this morning said that uh, he's found a group of men in his life that give him instruction in a variety of aspects of his life, and he calls them his rabbis. And rabbi is a word in, in Hebrew means teacher, so he's got his group of teachers. And I think all of us, you know, who maybe didn't always get from our fathers what we needed, can find other men in our life to uh, make up for that. But you have to have your eyes wide open 
for the opportunity to recognize right. that. That is exactly right. Isn't that right? That's right. Well, let's get back to uh, our example today of the God of Second Chances, and let's hear about the second Tamar. Yeah, the second Tamar for our listeners, if, again, if you want to read this story in its entirety, it's in the uh, book of Second Samuel. It's in the 13th chapter. It's the first through the 20th verses. Now, um, Tamar was a daughter of David, and she had two brothers, also sons of David, uh, Amnon and Absalom. Uh, she evidently was quite beautiful, according to the Bible, uh, probably pretty much on the young side and uh, very attractive. So uh, Amnon, I, you know, again, it's not our job to speculate as to whether he struggled with addiction, but we can easily say he was a sex offender. You know, he was attracted to uh, Tamar. He was preoccupied with Tamar. He gets some advice from another guy about how to deceive Tamar into an act of sexuality. So uh, in the story, uh, Amnon pretends to be sick and asks Tamar to come and bring some food or you know something that he needs. And uh, when she gets there, he basically... Uh, tells her in biblical language, you know, to come lie with me, which means, you know, come have sex. And Tamar uh, resists and uh, 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 says, no, don't, don't do this thing. And uh, he, at that point, gets physical. So he commits an act of physical rape. And the Bible describes it this way, that he was bigger and stronger than her. Mm-hmm. So he forced her into an act of sexuality. Now, again, like our first Tamar, she would have had the right at that point. That would have been considered an act of marriage, actually. Uh, And so she had the right to remain in the brother's house and live forever that way as his wife or something. And she basically, after the whole thing is over, says, that's the deal. And he says, he gets disgusted. And, you know, we see this a lot of times with offenders when they offend and they get disgusted with themselves and what they've just done. So he basically pushes her away and said, I'm having no part of that. Well, now Absalom comes along and he basically sees the distress, the despair, the depression that Tamar is in. And he says, uh, what has this your brother done to you? He kind of gets it. He understands it. He probably knows that uh, his uh, brother is a uh, is a jerk, a coward, uh, whatever he is, and you know maybe a an addict. He wouldn't have obviously used those kind of terms, but he knew the character of his brother. And he said, "What is this your brother done to you?" And uh, she tells him what uh, what's happened. Now, at this point in the story, here's kind of one of the critical pieces I think for our listeners to kind of get, uh, because you know, whereas we've been talking about God of the Second Chance. I, you know, I, I think God of the second chance will, will obviously be graceful and redeeming and, you know, offer us salvation if we have other people that come along and help us to talk about our stuff. And what happens here is that Absalom says, uh, don't speak anymore about this. And, you know, I can't tell you the number of stories that I hear uh, where sexual abuse survivors have been told to never speak about it. Um, I had a guy yesterday who said that his perpetrator told him that if he ever talked about what what had happened, uh, she would make sure that he was institutionalized for the rest of his life. 
And so, you know, as a young boy, when this was going on, he believed her. You know, he had no logical way to know that, you know, there was no possible way for that to happen. But he took it in, and uh, he's now 60 years old, and he just started talking about it. The abuse happened when he was like nine. So how many years? 51 years he's been intimidated. Right. He's been living with this. And strangely enough, and we see this all the time, it led him into a life of addiction, you know, affairs and prostitutes and lots of other things. So, you know, he, his mind got totally confused. He, he was obviously angry about this. We see this story, I, I would literally say hundreds of times, hundreds of times with, with guys that have been sexually abused either by men or by women, uh, older girls, older boys, whatever, and they are told not to ever talk about it. Or they're not, they're not necessarily told that, but their own shame about what happens. In other words, I must have done something to cause this, so I'm not going to talk about it because people will think uh, badly. I brought it on myself. Right? Yeah, I brought it on myself. So uh, the Bible now describes that uh, Absalom says don't talk about it, and uh, he, he does have Tamar come and live in his house, and the Bible describes it this way, and sometimes we don't often read the last uh, phrase or the last verse of a story. Uh, the Bible says here that Tamar remained in her brother's house a desolate woman. So can you imagine, just like you know, this guy was just talking about, you know, for however many years of her life, she, she lived in silence, didn't ever talk about it, and uh, she was desolate, she was depressed, she did not have a fulfilling life. Now, this is not a bad place to end our series because if God is going to be the God of the second chance, uh, we need to be open and honest about our story. You know, that's one of the central principles here at Faithful and True. God can come in and work. Uh, Grace abounds. God, like in our story of the prodigal son, rushes out to meet us. uh, And we have to be willing to talk about it. We have to be willing to be repentant, and come back to God. Now, this is no fault of Tamar's. I mean, she lived in a total patriarchal culture, uh, and she had to really, in a way, obey what her brother was telling her to do. So, you know, in no way do we fault Tamar. But but God has included this story in Scripture. Uh, we never hear about this story. I have never heard a sermon preached. I'm sure there has been one, but I have never heard one preached about Tamar. You know, we just don't like this kind of story. It doesn't have a happy ending, this story. So I'm saying God has, God has put this story in Scripture to remind us that if any of these heinous things have happened to us, you know, we better darn well learn how to find safe people to talk to about it. And when we do find safe people, that's how the God of the second chance operates, by allowing those safe people to comfort us, nurture us, and, and lead us back into the light. So that you don't have to live the rest of your days like Tamar did. Right. A desolate, a depressed individual. Yeah, it's really hard to describe. I was just working with another guy before we started the show. You know, he's lived with the shame of his abuse all of his life. He's he he he's beaten himself up literally. Uh, you know, he does a lot of self uh, uh, harm harming things, and and that's that desolation. That's that depression. That's that shame. Well, now finally, he's talking about it in a community of safe men. He's finding out that, first of all, he's not alone in these abuse experiences. Secondly, that God is not finished with him yet. Uh, God never intended for this to happen. It wasn't his fault. And God has a calling and a plan for his life. The God of the second chance is, and here's what I see all the time. 
you know, guys that have lived through this darkness, you know, they, they have a way of coming out of the darkness. It's, it's kind of what uh, uh, Joseph Campbell and many others would have called the hero's journey. You know, we come out of the darkness of, of abuse. We come out of the darkness of neglect. And uh, God has a plan, you know, and, and there are ways that the people who have lived through that kind of darkness uh, are able to see uh, the differences between darkness and light. And there's going to be a call in their life uh, to lead about that, that, uh, that ability that they have. You know, generally, people can come out of this darkness and have so much more empathy, have so much more compassion. Um, and we see that all the time. God is not finished yet here. We have, uh, we have an ability to do so many great things. That is God's plan. Even, even for those of us that have, have been sexually abused like Tamar was. This seems to be the perfect time for us to put a wrap on this entire series of The God of Second Chances. Over the past several weeks, we have spoken about uh, biblical characters uh, like the prodigal son, like David, like Samson, like the adulterous woman, the woman at the well, you know, today, the two Tamars. Can you summarize for us just in a closing thought, just to wrap a ribbon around this series for our listeners? God is the God of the second chance, and it's usually our shame that prevents us from talking to God and from confessing our sins, from repenting, meaning repentance simply means to turn back to God. Sometimes these uh, awful experiences that we've committed or have been done to us, they, they lead us with the core belief that we don't have the right to even talk to God or that God is kind of finished with us. The blue ribbon bow around this package is that God is never finished with us. He is always quick to forgive. He continues to love us. He waits for our return, and he has a plan for us, even in the middle of the darkness, to redeem even the darkness. So uh, those of you that are listening, uh, if you need a place to call, and get honest about some of your stuff. We hope that we can be a resource about that. If not, find a pastor or a counselor wherever you are and uh, uh, break the silence and uh, get honest. Thank you very much. That's exactly the ribbon that we were looking for, exactly what our listeners uh, are really uh, hungry to hear, that uh, we indeed are blessed to have a God of second chances. And we hope that this series has been of uh, benefit to you and has been a source of hope and strength for you. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'd like to thank Ben Laser, our engineer and technical director, for his help today. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we look forward to joining you again next week on the Men of Valor program. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.